Continuing with section C of CMA part 1, Performance Management, the next subtopic is Performance Measures. In the previous topic, we learned about Strategic Business Unit or SBU, which are created in the large organizations to track individual products or the department and their respective managers and create an incentivization scheme to achieve the goals and objectives of the organization. However, there are several strategic issues in measuring such performance. One, goal congruence is one of the key barriers or a strategic issue which we discussed during section B where a manager focuses on the overall objectives of the company rather than their individual goals or that of the particular department for which the manager is associated with. Aligning the department and the manager goals in line with the overall objectives is the key and also the prominent issue that a senior management grapples with. The second issue while measuring performance is timing. Timing is everything. Availability of reports on time is the key for any organization and one of the reasons that there are deadlines set in order to make information available for the decision makers on or within the time is the key. Also, performance measures should focus not just on cost or revenue, but the drivers of such cost and revenue, such as activity or the event which leads to incurring costs or earning revenues. Moving on to the tools of measuring performance. Performance of an SBU can be measured with both financial as well as non-financial parameters. Non-financial measures such as customer satisfaction, innovation and operational efficiency are used for each department while ROI and residual income are the most commonly used financial parameters. Now what is ROI? ROI or return on investment is in a simple formula the operating income of that individual business unit or SBU whole divided by the assets that are allocated and used by that individual SBU. This ROI is very helpful for every individual department or SBU when compared with the overall required rate of return which the company has kept a target. Now this required rate of return is also called as the hurdle rate. Why? Because the hurdle rate is the rate at which every organization should meet its weighted average cost of capital. To run the business, the cost of running the business is called weighted average cost of capital. So the hurdle rate is the key for measuring the ROI. Let's understand this with an example. If the weighted average cost of capital of a company is 10% and the company has four individual SBUs, each of such department now has a minimum target ROI to be achieved of 10%. One of the disadvantages of using ROI is it's a measure in percentage and not an absolute amount, which is a key reason for most of the companies preferring the next method, which is RI or residual income. What is residual income? The excess of the operating income of an individual SBU minus the assets that the SBU is using include the required rate of return. One notable point here I should mention that residual income can even be negative. Why? Let's understand this with an example. If a department has made $100 operating income during a year and the required rate of return is 10%, the total assets used by such department is $2,000. So the expectation was 
10% of $2,000, which is $200 is what the department should have earned. But the company could earn in this particular department only $100, which means 100 minus 200, the residual income will show as negative $100. Accounting adjustments play a vital role in both return on investment and residual income calculations. For instance, using FIFO versus LIFO during inventory valuation or the age of the assets used by each department which in turn is impacted by the depreciation or handling variances through cost of goods sold also matter during the calculation of ROI and RI. To summarize, ROI focuses on the rate of return as a percentage while Residual income focuses on the absolute amount. Moving on to the last topic in performance measure, it's balance scorecards. Dr. Robert Kaplan and David Norton introduced the concept of balance scorecard in a Harvard Business Review article in the year 1992. Scorecards focuses on KPI or Key Performance Indicator, which is also known in the industry as metric. Now, metric is essential to the success of every organization. Balance scorecards has four different perspectives which is based upon. The first one is learning and growth. Now learning and growth perspective focuses on the KPI such as an increased customer service personal knowledge. Every customer's persona or the requirements should be known to the people who are servicing that particular customer. That's what this perspective is all about. We should learn and grow from that. The second perspective is an internal process, which is focused on the KPI, such as reduce the defects. The third one is the customer perspective, where the focus of the KPI, such as increase the number of customers. Last but not the least, fourth is the financial perspective, which the KPI focuses upon increased sale revenue. Every business must develop its own balance scorecard for each and every SBU, undertake the implementation project and follow up the results. This is balance scorecard. With this, we conclude performance measures.